You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are back with uh, Film Friday? <laughs> hmm? Question mark. I have a new segment for this, the Cinema Sunday. Cinema Sunday. Or Sunday at the cinemas. I don't you know. just sprung that on me. I had no idea. That actually <laughs> doesn't sound half bad. No. <laughs> Maybe we need to change it to that, although we normally do uh, regular episode releases on Sundays. Yeah. But nice to switch it up. Yeah, it's all good. And you know what? We're going to be coming at you guys next week, just to let mm-hmm. you know. We don't have a regular feed release this week. It was just a little bit too hectic, although we are working on something really cool. Mm-hmm. It dabbles in the realm of um, kind of like everyday creatures, if you will. But at the same time, it's kind of uh, monsters and myths that sort of get left behind at the same time, like stuff that we haven't covered yet in the 120-ish episodes or however many episodes we've done, which is kind of insane. So we're heading to the the North, Nordic mm-hmm. myths and legends and Norse mythology and trolls and monsters and awesome stuff like that. But yeah, we did want to apologize to you guys because it has been insane and we, are, we haven't been on our regular schedule per se. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We do want to get back to that, but uh, until then... Here we are. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's still the weekend. At least we still kind of hit that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not Monday yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I am really excited for that episode next week. It's going to be with Zhang List with our friend Justin from mm-hmm. the Zhang List podcast. If you're not familiar Yay. with his show, go check it out. It's available everywhere you find us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be really cool. He's really into this stuff. So he's got a lot to talk about and a lot to say. And he is a character and I can't wait. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. Okay. So let's just, let's jump right into this. Oh no, I have one more thing. Sorry. Sorry. Rewind. <laughs> we have a new release uh, of Be Strange, of the, of, of the Clothing Co. Yes. So you guys got to check it out. It's at straightupstrange.com. We're on Etsy as well. You can search for it on there, but the Necropolis series release. So inspired by the underworld of Giza and the lost mysteries uh, of the ancients left beneath the sands, beneath mm, the sands of the complex. Perhaps, That's just, indeed. Well, I believe. Well, yeah, and and just to clarify, this is a release um, from the Straight Up Strange Network that we are a part of. It's uh, we'll have the link on our website. We're going to update our website just so we have a direct link over there. But it's not on our T Public or anything like that. It's a, uh, it's actually on our new platform at StraightUpStrange.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got it. Yeah, it just makes it so much easier, right? Central Hub. You can find the shows. You can find all the. I, I don't even want to call it merch because it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a project we've been working on even before we even started doing the show, believe it or not, really, in terms of designing stuff and like wanting to kind of put this into reality. And so we're finally doing it. It's really exciting. So yeah, uh, we hope you guys check it out. And obviously with every purchase, you're supporting indie creators like us. So it definitely definitely is a good cause in our opinion. (laughs) High quality stuff. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm rocking it all the time and it's been sweet. It is really neat. Yeah. I've been really enjoying it too. You ready to jump into this? Let's do it. Okay. 
So today we're talking about a film called The Horror Express, and I actually have the uh, and the Spanish language title is uh, Panico en el Transiberiano. Nice. Okay, so Panic <laughs> on the Transiberian Express, because this was a Spanish film. It was uh, you know like a European production. It was uh, filmed in Madrid, so between 1971-1972, and it was relatively, I wouldn't say, I guess a low budget for the time, around 300K. Mm-hmm. So, that actually is quite, yeah, seems quite reasonable. It's a reasonable budget. I've seen, I was reading blogs, and they were like, oh, like just a pathetically low budget, and it's like, no, not really. I mean, well, everything, 300 grand, you can do a lot with that in the 70s. Exactly, and it's already like stuff that's existing. Like, they didn't build a train or anything like that. I would exactly. imagine they were just using what's already around them. No, and, and it had enough clout to attract relatively well-known uh, actors to the roles, right? Like the lead the leads that they ended up getting. So they started filming in 1971 and it stars Christopher Lee, who is in a lot of sci-fi horror stuff. Yes. He's one of those guys that you kind of like, you know, but you don't know, right? Like you, you, you see the name, you're like, I know that guy. I know. I'm like, um, I'm just having that thought right now. I'm like, well, what the heck is he on? Like his face is so familiar. Like know, what else right? do you know him from? Oh man, but th- that's just it. Like I, off the top of my head, I can't even remember, but we were looking at stuff and there was a whole bunch of, it was like, oh, the curse of the mummy or something, 1962, mm. like another horror sci-fi. He played Dracula at one point as well. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes, that makes sense. Maybe that's where I recognize him from. Dracula. He's in Lord of the Rings as well. He's in Star Wars. He's also in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just this guy. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. <laughs> He's in your house. Oh, <laughs> He's Lord, Lord of the Rings. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. There we go. The Wicker Man. He's in The <laughs> Hobbit. He's in Sleepy Hollow. I could just go on. The Mummy, 1959, not the mummy that we're thinking of with uh, Brendan Fraser. Right. Yep, a little bit uh, more antiquated in that sense. A lot, though. I did enjoy those movies, though, actually, going back. We should cover The Mummy. in Wonderland? I like Hmm. those Brendan Fraser ones. They're fun. They're so cheesy. But, but they they're are like, fun. They're in that class of like 90s action movies. That's so just like... Yeah, like 90s, early 2000s. Anyways, we're getting off topic. We here. are well, slightly <laughs> off topic. Okay, so Christopher Lee, the, the lead, uh, also starring uh, Peter Cushing, Alberto de Mendoza, uh, Silvia Tortosa, and Julio Pena. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically like... There's a myriad of characters. It's kind of hard to follow. We watched it twice. We recommend you guys do as well. And as always, if you're it's your first time joining us, spoilers abound. Yep. Watch it before you listen. Exactly. Uh, but let's just dive right into it. Let's let's get into how it all starts because this is the bread and butter of Into the Portal in terms of just mm-hmm. weird shit. It is, and it almost it had like almost like an Orwellian vibe to it or something in the sense. Because it, it is like, you know, a period piece. It's from like the very early, the turn of the 1900s, essentially, like 1906 or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. For me, I love the beginning of this because it reminds me of a lot of those Victorian type novels that you'll read, like the mystery, like the doc, like Island of Dr. Moreau, things like that, where it starts off with this narration yeah. that's very foreboding. It's talking about events that are, have befallen them and all this kind of thing. In this case, it's the expedition leader who is basically going off about how... This is the true event that befell the Expedia, Expedia? <laughs> expedition in Manchuria. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. There yeah, you just go. shortened it there. Make it, make it quicker. Let's speed it up here. Quicken it. Speed it up there. Let's be efficient. <laughs> what would that podcast sound like? Just cut it. Just mash up every other word. Yeah. Next word. <laughs> that would be very strange. Well, That'd be hard to edit. 
like, what is this? Anyways, put that in the back burner. (laughs) But it's very interesting in the sense that you're looking at imagery from Manchuria at the time and the mountains and all that kind of thing, and then leading into Siberia, which is like they're on the Trans Trans Siberian Express in this case. But um, he kind of leads off saying that the blame is yet to be decided, and kind of like there's this whole like do 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 kind of situation. You don't really know what for. It's like blame for what, right? Blame for what? All we see is like we do see images of a frozen monster, something that they have like unearthed from the ice, and we're not sure what this is. It looks humanoid to a certain degree, mm-hmm. Neanderthal, like who knows, like a very primitive human yeah you don't know it's like it's yeah is is this just like yeah like a the minnesota ice man that you're chiseling out of the ice or Mm -hmm. is it a completely different species of the same humanoid shape or or perhaps is it both right what if it's something infected by a parasite right which is essentially what happens in this entire plot of the movie well not a parasite per se but in a metaphorical sense they hold off on it for a while though they do and and i like that a lot but then they also kind of slip up in some places but we'll get to that in a little bit (laughs) yeah so the real plot takes off when they depart and it was so funny it was like this classic like hogwarts express scene where it's like this very grand grand train literally reminded exactly of the hogwarts express exactly like the angle that they show the colors everything (laughs) actually no did we have colors in this movie i'm picturing colors in my head yeah no, no, it totally did, but it was really faded. It's hilarious. I'm like, wait, it's like, no, what's that black and white? It's or funny you say that. I don't actually, even notice though half the time when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> I like make it up if it's not there. Just you fill it in. Yeah. Well, Damn. obviously you can tell if someone's like a brunette or something or whatever if they're wearing red or you know those are obvious. But man, see that's. That's, that's a impressive. whole nother level. That's impressive. Whole nother level. Anyway, but that's funny you mentioned that though because right off the top of the film, obviously it's a restored film. So wherever right. you find this, it's we watched it on Amazon Prime, so hopefully you guys can find it there wherever mm-hmm. you can find it. I'm sure it's on YouTube as well. It's pretty available. Yeah. And it's it's a it's not really quite to the status of a cult film per se. It's almost there. It's mm-hmm. not quite there. But it has been restored. And it was like that was the disclaimer right before we watched it. It's like this has been the 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 sound in the picture might not be great. Which is funny, right? Because it yeah. was like a full production scale film with mm-hmm. professional actors. You could hear everything. And in, rel- you know, the 70s. I mean, my, my our parents were having a good time in the 70s. It's not that long ago, really, right? I mean, <laughs> anyway. No, it's not yeah. that new. But so anyways, yeah. that, that was kind of surprising, but. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's funny you mentioned the color because it, it was extremely faded. Like it almost might as well have been black and white. Might as well. Anyway, continue. We're continuing. So Hogwarts Express launches <laughs> into the frigid terrain and of the Harry Siberian and Ron tundra. Get devoured by a monstrous. Thing. <laughs> exactly with this thing aboard. This it's in a crate. It looks like it's been defrosted to a certain degree when you have that little like peephole type thing, and you can kind of see it. However, the the, the main idea behind this is the fact that this professor who's one of the main characters here, uh, played by none other than Christopher Lee. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So he's not the villain in this, in this case. He plays the villain a lot. But anyways, he's the main protagonist slash antagonist to a certain degree because why you're, you kind of, he did a lot of things in this movie that kind of weren't the best for everyone. He's in denial board. the entire film. The, that's the, entire that's the main film, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he knows he has something crazy. Yes. So Christopher Lee slash Professor Saxton, as he's known, essentially thinks that this could be some sort of missing link. He thinks this is a very grand scientific discovery that mm-hmm. needs to be shared with the world. He yeah. needs to transport it to a proper facility, obviously, to further examine this thing. So he's thinking 
like, you know, like this is, this is a worthy mission. And that in, in that regard, he's half thinking of himself to a certain degree, half thinking of science, in my opinion, you know, it's kind of the classic humanist, uh, researcher, you know, investigator or whatever. He wants the glory. He kind of does, but he's still pretty cool. I don't mind him. He's got a cool look. He's got the classic, like scientist, anthropologist, archeologist, sci-fi guy. No mm-hmm. wonder he was in all these sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. He's got that perfect, perfect look to him for sure. He kind of does, yeah. Yeah. It was funny though, because there's a lot of people with mustaches in this movie. And at one point I was just like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second, who's you again? We had to watch this a couple times. Amber and was trying to categorize, yeah, all the characters by the, their beards the mustache, and mustaches. Yeah, so, yeah. And then it didn't work. So anyways, we had to go back, re- re- revise that one. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yes. So we kind of skipped over a couple of things in this little summary here. Uh, one thing in particular was the instance with the priest, like as they're boarding the Hogwarts Express. Or sorry, I'm just, I'm just referring to it. <laughs> I mean, the Trans-Siberian Express. Sorry, guys. No, that's, um, that's awesome. That is hilarious. So they have that like kind of like confrontation, hey, uh, where there's this uh, priest who kind of calls them out on the mission. Yeah, so he's he, also boarding the train. Like, they're is. all on this platform, right? And he's obviously... It, yeah, it, it's all very strange, right? It's kind of this mashup of just... At first, it just seems like a mashup of very strange different characters. And then throughout, as the film kind of goes on, you realize that each one of these characters is almost like from their own individual genre. That is then mm-hmm. just interacting with other characters in the film. So, yeah, they meet with almost like a a recreation of Rasputin essentially on the train platform right. as yep. we, as we kind of discover throughout. Yeah. Like he's a, he's a monk slash mystic who's traveling with, uh, you know, like a, 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 a countess from one of the, uh, Russian constro- controlled States mm-hmm. at the time. And he's a very strange man and he can perceive evil obviously because mm-hmm. he starts to call things out. He does. And there's that like where he draws the cross he draws it on the ground, then he tries to draw it on the box and doesn't appear on the box. And he kind of says, he's like, whatever uh, whatever you have here is unholy and must be destroyed. And um, the, obviously the expedition leader has issues with that and yeah. kind of calls him out on it. And the priest responds with the idea, like, he says, where he lives, there is no cross. And that's when he draws the crosses and then obviously it doesn't appear. And it's this very spooky, very ominous, like very religious overtone scene, right? The, but, yeah, it's the classic clashing. Uh, they're, they're, they're pitting up like obviously like science versus religion, religion and tradition versus and, progress exactly. to a certain degree. Because mm-hmm. even if, even if Saxon believes he has something dangerous and in like not entirely like human in that crate, he's obviously being confronted by a deeply religious man on the platform and the only thing he can like rationalize is the exact opposite of that obviously mm-hmm. right even he's just he's in denial the entire way like even when yeah. this thing is outside of the crate he's almost in denial until he's finally like well <laughs> I, it must yeah. be out and it, it must be alive and it's just mm-hmm. like this real hard right turn yeah. it's just like oh okay you finally acknowledged it sure great Great, yeah, when it's far too late. It, it is. So let's rewind a tiny bit again, because they, they board the, the train, and Saxon is confronted. It's it's really well done, the way they put the characters together, though, because he has this classic sort of, like, rival that he meets on, right. on the train. So it's Dr. Wells, who's played by Peter Cushing, who's a friendly rival, right? He's from the Royal Geographic Society, who we're familiar with from episodes mm-hmm. we've covered. <laughs> Looking at Zerzura and things yeah, like Zerzura, that, right? That and he's on board. He's traveling completely separately. He was not part of the Manchuria expedition at all. 
but he's the perfect also he's not an antagonist he's a protagonist antagonist he's a victim like all the rest of these people trapped aboard essentially mm-hmm. he's not there to disrupt but he's very inquisitive and and he's got the lens to see through like to see the actual threat to a certain degree once it actually reveals itself yeah. and to confront the guy like on an equal playing field like exactly you know what I mean? and it was one of my favorite lines of the whole movie because wells confronts him right away he's like you've got something alive in there and saxon's all you know pompous and standoffish <laughs> and he's like the occupant hasn't been hasn't or no he's like you got uh, something alive in there he's like the occupant hasn't eaten in two million years hmm. 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 or something along those lines right can Maybe something I hibernate that. for that long okay. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> and that's what he keeps denying even though he keeps seeing signs that it's obviously not just a normal specimen in, in the ice right mm-hmm. he, yeah his, his rivals well he's saxon's eager to keep it completely secret he doesn't want to ra- arouse any su- suspicion but his Rival Wells, I love this. He ends up bribing the porter, right? This mm-hmm. is one of my favorite parts. He bribes the Dirty porter moves, to investigate babe. the crate as a, I guess, an archaeological rival, which is totally what it was like back in the day. Like think about like the bone wars in the yep. 1800s and stuff like oh, that. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. This is kind of what that reminds me of. The porters, of course, killed by a now completely defrosted and still somehow like not falling apart. Uh, <laughs> humanoid. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty slimy though. That looks was within the ice. Oh yeah. We'll talk about the effects in a minute, mm-hmm. but it escapes the crate by, by essentially picking the lock, which is curious. Cause we were asking this, we were watching it and we we're like, what, how did it know how to pick that lock? That's very strange. Yeah, right? exactly. Some crazy ancient humanoid thing. But is it learning? This kind of becomes the question as we, as the plot evolves and everything. Exactly. I, I had this fun little quote here just to kind of go along with what I said a minute ago. Uh, this is just from a a, blo- uh, a film AV blog. We can, we'll have it in the show notes, but it says poised on the edge of camp, a horror express nimbly cycles through genres with drawing room mystery and uh, procedural elements bleeding into universal style, monster effects and science fiction. And it's kind of funny because it's a lot of Spanish actors trying to be Russian mm-hmm. or Cossack or Polish or mm-hmm. just whoever on the train. Yeah. And it is pretty noticeable at times. And then times, when you yeah. add the layer of cycling through different genres too, it's kind of funny. It is. Just, it makes yeah. it that cult kind of like humor. It, well, it, cause you know? it works. Yeah. Like there's a lot of movies where they try that kind of thing and the elements don't come together like they totally. do in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, <laughs> That's actually, yeah, like if that. you, if you haven't gathered so far, I mean, obviously you guys have watched it, we hope, um, but we're really dealing with something very similar to John Carpenter's The Thing. And Mm -hmm. we can talk about that more in a minute, but there is a telltale sign that we also got in the thing that happens early in the film where the dog, this tiny little dog of the countess starts barking at what's at the crate early on before it even escapes. Mm -hmm. And this just like, and then, you know, Rasputin, the priest comments on the dog again. He's like, even the dog can, you know, spot evil or whatever, make some comment. They all know, and there's like so many little hints along the way, even though the passengers are all oblivious on this train. The isolation factor, too, is also pretty awesome, I guess, too. It's on a train. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get, it's like snakes on a plane. It's just yeah. missing Samuel and snakes, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Snakes. It's two pretty important <laughs> ingredients to snakes on a plane. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, they're trapped in a tiny space with this, on a moving. It's an isolated, yeah, exactly. In the middle of Siberia <laughs> with mm-hmm. this, with, something they don't even really know what's going on 
spooky man and there's that whistling scene hey like the there's like this weird ominous music and you're like oh yeah that's you right. remember that it was like almost just in the wind or something but the countess hears it the ambiance is really spooky Oof. i quite enjoyed it finally the party officials are confronted with the truth because they find multiple murders right uh, people are missing and then they demand order the crate even though saxon's like no screw you he throws the keys out the window at that point i was like that's a little insane. You should probably just open the crate, right? Mm-hmm. They break it open with an axe. And of course, the creature closed the door on its way out. This is what's co- kind of funky too, right? It mm-hmm. not only picked the lock, but it closed it and locked it all back up again. Right. To avert it suspicion. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a telltale sign of what we're dealing with here. It's much more than just a fossil or a primitive, yeah, like Neanderthal or something like that. And so we're already kind of picking up on this. At, and it's quite early in the movie still. But... It's, yeah, it's, is it a monster? Is it an alien? What is this? Like, it looked very almost cyborgy when you get that shot of its like one red eye, like looming out from mm-hmm. the cage or the, the box out at the porter. And right. then is that it kills the porter instantly, essentially. He's just like frozen solid. And then you get the, the draining of his like all color from his eyes. Hmm. What does that mean? But anyways, we get more of that. So the fossil, as I like to refer to it, <laughs> <laughs> or what are you calling this thing? The thing? I, no, I mean, no, no, thing. no. I, I mean, I like that term. I, I like calling it that. That's just, yeah. Because that's it essentially reminds me what of like it a is. Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea episode or something. Kind of, Love yeah. It. Those rock people. Yeah. This thing isn't completely uh, void of conscience, though. And it is learning because we get the one scene where it appears in the compartment of the two sleeping children. Mm-hmm. And that could be a very bad scene, obviously. In this case, it's a little bit more of a conservative movie. It's not as if... Uh, it's not as if we're going to get, you know, very, very visceral child <laughs> d- damages or whatever yeah, you want to call it, violence and kids. all that kind of thing. But yeah. it's almost like it's debating attack and then leaves them like the innocent. So it kind of has a little bit of that to it. So it's like you, it's almost, yeah, they baked that into the the plot and also it lines up with the fact that it's the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Because if this thing is learning off of who it's intaking, it's not just... It's not just for survival. It's literally like it would have to work with also the yeah, the emotion like the emotions that it's taking on too. That's mm-hmm. different than the thing. That's yeah. definitely different than the thing. Anyways, okay, so it leaves the children and lurks into the shadows of the train. Instead, attacks a watchman who is later found dead. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we get a lot. We get this juxtaposition because we go from that scene into the dinner compartment scene where the professor and uh, the countess and a few others are going for dinner, and they <laughs> order the fish, and the fish comes, and of course, it's a whole fish with the white eye, and it's like this big, like classic zoom in, like. Like classic 70s style yeah and he makes the comment he's like it was from being boiled the fish like because he asked he's like those white eyes they're like i'm doing this in a spanish accent now <laughs> <laughs> hey well it makes sense but they do comment on the white eyes did we skip over similar. that at the beginning the guy yeah. who was with the white eyes at the beginning did we skip over that no 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 sorry white eyes are pretty important in this film they're very key and yeah, exactly. It symbolizes essentially the draining of their soul into this thing, mm-hmm. as we later learn. But it's interesting because this is really the crux of the film. This thing, this creature is obtaining the consciousness or the memories of these victims. And it just slowly usurps more and more and they just pile up. And 
one of my favorite victims. Hmm. Poor Miss Jones. She's hilarious, man. <laughs> yeah, I love funny. this girl. She's basically the assistant on the expedition. A, a kind of a portly lady, you know, a classic kind of no nonsense, whatever. She's got her glasses and her cute little curls and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the professor, after he like kind of he makes this connection between the eyes of the fish and the victims, and he goes up to her quite abruptly in the dinner compartment and says, "I may need your assistance." And then she just looks at him, kind of like does the elevator glances, like. Well, at your age, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he just kind of like stares blankly and just like, it's like, what? And then he really he's like, the autopsy. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> oh, well, that's different. <laughs> that's a dirty joke. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. that is a dirty joke. Yeah, I loved that. I was laughing out loud. It was so cavalier, though. It was very cavalier. It was very dry. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was very like almost like British in a sense. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that was, I was so sad when she ends up getting murked. I didn't really enjoy that scene. But they start to examine the victims. This is before she actually gets, you know, eliminated. Miss Jones, she performs a couple of procedures. She's trying to figure out what's going on with these victims. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have, they say at one point, they're smooth, like the brains. As if, like, they're just, there's nothing to them anymore. They're just like these, like, Like that's sponges the or physical the, the indication that it's been exactly. devoid of knowledge. It's Ex- been smoothed out. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> okay. And they even say, it's like, the memory has been removed. Like, chalk erased from the board. Interesting. It's so weird. And again, we get the reference to the chalk. It's a continuing metaphor from the earlier scene with the, the drawing of the crosses. Which, which, I, which I don't get, which is so bizarre. I guess we can come back to that at the end. Chalk metaphor? Just, just chalk the fact, it up that, to. just, just the fact that, <laughs> yeah. What can we chalk this up to? No, that just that it that it wouldn't write on the crate, and like what that means. The cross symbol, right? If you wrote the thing on it, I wonder if that would write. So, I mean, yeah, like they definitely make it seem as if because yeah, I mean, because how ancient does this thing? Because like, I mean, Christianity only goes back so far, obviously, right? If this was a mm-hmm. thing in the ice that was a Neanderthal. Then whatever it was infected with would have no frame of reference, presumably, mm. of Christianity and its symbols. But it's gaining that as it kind of absorbs its victim. And we're getting a body count here. I suppose because that makes sense. Yeah. After it kind of like sneaks in, after they do the autopsies and it's looking at the victims and kind of examining it, and it's like, what is it? What is it looking for? Right. But it continues on with its sort of shenanigans and ends up. Shenanigans. <laughs> Just some lighthearted <laughs> shenanigans. Just some, oh. you know, just a walk in the park. Jolly old brain <laughs> When sucking. a walk in the park isn't a walk in the park. Mm. I'm sorry, that's bad. You could have copyrighted uh, for this film. Yep. would be great. Yep. But we get a lot of people dying. The mortician's attacked. Uh, this other woman's attacked. It's like uh, she's a thief or whatever. She's trying to steal it with a safe and gets jumped by this thing. <laughs> but anyways, it kind of it, it keeps accumulating these memories and these these this knowledge, if you want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, another good quote. I, who said this again? We wrote this down. It says, uh, a creature like that, how would it ever die? It just keeps like growing and growing and amassing all these like things, supposedly in the same body at this point. So we think we don't really know what it's doing. Like, is it, is it, is it transgressing back and forth? Is it infecting the victim as well as receiving all of its like life force? Well, and that's the cool thing. That's the cool. Yeah. Like there's, you can, you can go down the crazy rabbit holes thinking about what it would be like physically be, 
but like obviously if it's a f- alien life form it's made it would be made out of something not you know native to earth or whatever but it's able to do this replication then that's what's crazy to me you know what i mean so it's like it, i don't know why this might sound random but i remember in high school doing this debate in si- in you know like science 10 or whatever on like whether fire is alive and you had to like make an argument either one way or the other right mm-hmm. Classic. and it makes me wonder you know it may- reminds me again of like that x-files episode with like the down in the volcano and like silicone based life forms or something like that but it's like what if something like this yeah it really couldn't die because even though it takes on like organic life form like this creature is on the train it could really survive in a state of like any other element or it could just be something else for a time being you know what i mean like it would just be Mm -hmm. like whatever it needs to be because it's just this like matter that can just take on anything that's something that can't really be defeated and is sort of terrifying to think Mm-hmm. I don't know. And can survive those types of conditions for as long as it did. Yeah, for like years. T- millions of years. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Crazy. It's freaky. So, I mean, obviously, again, like crazy comparisons to The Thing and, and John Carpenter's work. And there's a few mm-hmm. other films, obviously, preceding The Thing that were very much like The Horror Express, too, where there's just alien life forms that were amorphous and could take on different things. And even Invasion of the Body Snatchers has that element right. to it, really, as yeah. well, right? Has more of a hive mentality, though. That's different. Yeah, that's like multiples, like not just like one Mm -hmm. amoeba-like thing that can like, you know. This thing kind of reminds me of like the Stranger Things kind of. uh, Yeah, this is because it doesn't like break apart or anything Mm -hmm. like that, where then you end up with more than one. It just kind of seems to go person to person and takes on information. And then, like you said, that was really curious. And I'm glad you brought it up with the kids in the compartment. And it made a moral choice. Mm -hmm. It's not just purely like survival Exactly. Right. And is that an aspect of of the creature itself or the memories it's taken on and the everything else? You know what right. I mean? Hmm. Or purely just a product that they didn't want to do that in exactly. the 1970s and we're misreading it entirely. Exactly. It could be, it could be any of too. those. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but at this point in time, I just wanted to come back to the Countess and her father. They're, they sort of come back into the plot. Right. And, and the father, and father fa- Pujanov or whatever his name yeah. is. <laughs> was that his name? I don't even know. Let's just, we'll go with that. That's, that's fine. Was, He's uh, a minor yeah. character anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> he seems to think that there's, that there's some sort of like spies yeah, on the- Pujardov. Ooh. Father Pujardov. There you go. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously paranoid. They're sort of adept <laughs> to what's going on. A lot of the other passengers would just be freaked out and not really know. The autopsy results have come back at this point, And this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because this is just a rabbit hole for just thinking about crazy shit. Because they realize that for this creature, at least in their rudimentary sort of like conception of what they're looking at is that its brain is located in the eye itself and i'm air quoting here like massively for everyone this is an audio show uh, <laughs> and not the brain right which yeah. i think is totally bizarre but they're looking th- they're looking at this and they're looking through a microscope and there's images of prehistoric earth like from space mm-hmm. like earth orbiting in space and so obviously and it's other an alien life things. form. It's taken these memory snapshots from millions, hundreds of millions, even potentially years ago. and, and uh, then, At least two million years ago. Right. Well, obviously, and then maybe even jumped through other life forms, presumably, right? And then ended up in the ice man in the ice. I mean, how long did it True. been? Who knows? Yeah. Chilling in a triceratops. I don't know. I don't see. <laughs> they might not be a ton of point to that. I don't mm-hmm. know what its motives are, though. It's very strange, this creature. 
it's it's it's, it's very strange bizarre. and it seems to be like telepathically based it's not as if like you said right it doesn't like break off a part of it. it doesn't infect you physically or like it's not like you swallow it like some sort of you know what i mean like uh oh what's the creature i'm thinking of um not sure oh, oh not, not sure. alien really but it does go in through people sometimes like the suckers <laughs> and things like that right you know it's more of like an actual parasite yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and what's so obviously like to put yourself in the place of these people figuring this out it's 1906 just to remind everyone listening Mm -hmm. and watching that we're watching the film right nobody had been in space yet so there's Mm -hmm. no images from space no one was just oh yeah like that was there's only theories about it exactly so to like see that would be would be what's the Mm, word i'm looking for mind boggling (laughs) i guess let's go with that gobsmacking (laughs) Sure. I don't know. It would be jarring. It would be just be it like, be. it would just be, be. You would seriously doubt what your eyes are actually seeing if you're misinterpreting what you're seeing. If this literally, like, it's just so clear, right? It's a, a photograph. It's not like it's like micro bacteria moving around a Petri dish or something. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but they're still sort of grappling with whether or not it's an ancient disease or something more like throughout the film, even after they're looking through this. They're like, this is something from space. Mm-hmm. But... It's jumping from person to person. It ends up in, in ex- Inspector Mirov as well, which isn't good. No. And then they throw a real <laughs> monkey wrench into the movie when, yeah. <laughs> because obviously some information has been relayed ahead to Russian authorities and there's this crazy Cossack, mm-hmm. like rural general guy mm-hmm. that shows up when the train stops <laughs> and is presumably looking for the spies that are after the, uh, you know, I guess the count... The countess and the and the yeah because the count and the sorry the countess and her father the count I guess I guess you refer to him as that yeah count he <laughs> he has this sneaking suspicion that this isn't something from outer space he is under the impression that it's after him and it's after his his family fortune and secrets right because they have this like unblemishable steel that they like own and have patented and or whatever. that is like crazy sci fi shit because why would you is. think that. In 1906. Spies? I don't know. Spies are everywhere. What? Crazy, amorphous, like, spies that come out of the ice. Oh, you mean the technology is what you're referring to. Yeah, like, like how would you think that this, because he thinks, he thought it was being controlled or something like like that, Yeah, it's like an automaton or something like that. Well, all this kind of stuff was coming into, like, yeah, like, definitely the turn of the 1900s and all that. There was those weird machines that, remember the one that played chess? And I guess there's lots of books. People were coming up with some crazy stuff. I can't remember if that was the one that was like a total phony where there's literally someone inside the machine like moving it for them and everyone thought it was literally a robot that was smart enough to beat everyone at chess. There was something like that. Anyways, if anyone listening can remember, that'd be sweet. That'd be (laughs) earlier. Yeah, hit us up. I I don't, I have no idea. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But that scene doesn't last long though. So he comes on with all his men and he roughs up uh, Christopher Lee uh, his character and a couple other people, but they, they, I, they have this moment where they, they flick the lights off to get the red eyes coming back to that. Right. Because then they could actually tell who, who was the creature. Yeah. Right? Which was, was a, awesome. Yeah. And dead giveaway, dead giveaway. And a lot of death happens yeah. in that instance. Cause they kind of, what ends up happening is the creature reanimates them is kind of what happens, right? Like he, be, they become his like zombies or something. And, and that's, 
a, a weird turn to the plot too. It's yeah, like this, that's different. this constant evolution of the threat. It's not just this one thing now. It's all of them. Then we're the, more like the thing again, mm-hmm. going back to, to John Carpenter. That's more. Cause like then they break apart, breaks apart. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or is it just controlling their minds? It's literally just, or is it controlling the tissues that's attached to the mind? See, but then, yeah, I, I, yeah, telepathic, I guess that's, yeah, that's weird. That is weird. Mm-hmm. That and, throws another monkey wrench. And that goes back to the cross on the thing, too, where right. it's just like, does it even matter what you were trying to write on there? If you tried to write, uh, but it, they, they did write some mm-hmm. no, other stuff was, on there, though. Oh, did they? Yeah. They must have, obviously, like, because there was a box. Was so this is where there's some teleported. sort of, there's some, <laughs> Transported. <laughs> there's some subtle slip-ups, right? <laughs> where if we really dig deep, the, there's some holes, obviously, in the plot. Some simplicities taken, some, you know, any, well, not some really liberties. Holes. Some not What's some, the hole? Well, for example, like if they were to write, if they were able to write something else on the crate, which there were other markings on the crate. Yeah. Uh, but not, but not the cross. Then they're clearly leaning that either this thing has just decided that no more markings on here because I have this energy or aura or like power. And mm-hmm. it's just like like just affecting the wood around it in the crate or it literally does have some sort of a connection to the con- what what the christian conception of hell would be and it had already dealt with ancient samaria and everything going back to however long and it's just a demon from somewhere not good you know what i mean and then it's taking over each person on the train <laughs> there's massive religious overtones to the film, oh totally yeah i'm right? not denying that yeah all right anyway. all right that's your whole <laughs> that was just i mean that's just one i guess i, I, I can i can come up with some more if you want to if you want me to i just reminded me you just reminded me of brett from flight of the concords when he writes that huge long letter to jermaine about his explanation as to why he's moving out and by the halfway not even halfway through jermaine's just not even reading it anymore yeah, you're just, just not even listening to me anymore is that what you, you that's what you just admitted to great Great. I kind of got lost in that one. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I think you're just sleepy. I'm not sleepy. All right. All right. All right. Anyways. Well. Can we get to the part where the priest is taken over by the thing? Let's talk, let's talk about that. Because <laughs> that was another twist, right? Because he's very much against it. The whole thing. The whole idea of it. And then in one split second, he almost like has this flip of the switch where he lines himself with the devil. And is going to take this entire train down is kind of what his mission becomes and starts taking out the Cossack, all of his men, and just goes on a blind rampage. Ring any bells for you? Yeah. 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 No, it is. But I I just like, (laughs) oh man, you guys, we watched this movie twice. I'm sort of forgetting exactly how that scene ended with, with, with the monk, with Rasputin. How did that? How did exa- how did that exactly end? Because he wasn't actually in, under the control of the creature. Was he, he was, yeah, for a time. Well, he, I think he was. He goes down in flames. He doesn't make it out. Right. No. The only there's only a couple that make it out. There's no. Well, there is other, other than the random trap passengers. Yeah, the mm-hmm. random passengers. That it's the three of them, right? The right. Countess Wells and Saxton that end up getting out. Which is kind of surprising. I didn't expect. Saxon to make it out, that's for sure. No. You'd think he'd be one of the early ones to go, being one of the ones to actually well, bring it on. Not but early, he's the but one like, that's continuing the narrative and in the beginning. That's, he's the one that introduces it all. So. Here's one of the things they kind of screw up on. Like, there's a few other points I know you want to make. Like, on that note, too, I guess here's not, this isn't a hole, but this is something that they they could have done and that the thing did differently, was that they show who everyone is, right? They're, they don't really use the suspense of, 
Like mm-hmm. who is infected? Like who's who? All that, like they like, do in the thing. That paranoia of, like, oh, it's I'm talking to you right scary. now, but I'm not sure if you're actually who you say. Like they have a tiny bit of that, but then they're, but then they, they reveal it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Who, you're, who you're dealing with, who they're looking for. And that's where you get the genre mashup. It's a sci-fi, but then it's a it's parlor drama. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like or, the murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, with an alien life form <laughs> killing everyone <laughs> is essentially what we have, right? It is, yeah. Which is really enjoyable because I love Murder on the Orient Express and Poirot very much. So it's a great one, Agatha Christie classic. I think you could have slotted Poirot in in this exact narrative and he would have performed just fine it would have actually been in just as enjoyable. he would have been more have effective been than in, or was it inspector mirov or detective mirov i can't remember yeah mirov wasn't that convincing no he wasn't that convincing and no. neither was the gore in particular i wanted to make that point as well the effects were kind of they they went pretty minimalist on the effects mm-hmm. there wasn't like lots of blood and guts that we get in some other cheesy 70s it horror. was more the shadow and illusion kind of like the suggestibility yeah. of it especially mm-hmm. early too like you get the flash of the the creature's face when it's the the early like Iceman creature right when mm-hmm. it's like walking through the dark hallways of the train which I quite like mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah it is more it just leaves you leaves more up to the imagination yeah I can't even remember what the exact rating. It would probably had a pretty bad rating. Oh, it would have been rated R. I mean, even the autopsy scenes, they expose things like what would be brains oh, and things like that. But it's literally, you the know. The eyeball and the, the needle in the eyeball. I mean, yeah, like a cow's thing. eyeball or whatever that was, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, for the 1970s, that's gore. That's gore. Even though it's still, what you, it's what, you know, everyone does in grade eight science. It's gore. I almost couldn't do it. There were still eyelashes on my sheep's yep, eye. I remember mine not too. Not good. Same thing. Wasn't into I that. I didn't. I had to split yeah, open a fetal fetal pig. I did that too. Like the skull. We of have a talked fetal about pig. this before on the show. Anyways, yeah, that's not going to do it. How many other bad. horrible memories you want to talk PTSD. about on this film episode? <laughs> and it wasn't from Acapella Group. <laughs> oh, God. That's a that's a deep Bob's deep, Burgers fan joke. Deep. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you have any? I mean, we're coming down to the end here of this film Friday. I mean, I loved this movie. I quite enjoyed it. I, really I feel like it should be it. more of a cult classic than it is. It's, it's obscure. Yeah. It is pretty obscure. It was it was suggested to us though uh, by October Pod. Yeah. So thank you for that. Go check those guys out. They're yeah. on YouTube. They're on mm-hmm. other stuff. They do stuff. Mm-hmm. They're sweet. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty sweet. Pretty cool. Pretty weird. Just mm-hmm. like us. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, we want to know what you guys thought of this movie. I know it's pretty obscure and it's one of those ones that maybe a lot of you won't be into, but we really want you to be into it. So go watch it if you haven't already. But <laughs> any other final yeah. thoughts, Andrew? I mean, I guess we should just ask each other like what your favorite part, like what your what your what you loved most, uh, just to kind of conclude. What what did you love most about this being a horror and a sci-fi, the kind of classic ITP? Mm, to be honest, I liked the period peace fact of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. the fact that it went back to the turn of the century i loved yeah. the wardrobes i loved the, the the general scenes like you know the mise-en-scene the the setting yeah uh the train siberia that's pretty cool yeah. the, the creature wasn't disappointing there we've watched a lot of these where we're, we don't cover them on film fridays or cinema sundays or whatever you want to call yeah them. we're like no and can't do it you yeah. know yeah so this one delivered 
in my opinion. And sure, there might have been a few holes, if Andrew wants to call them that. But I think it's up to interpretation, mostly. And this is one that you kind of have to watch. You you can watch more than a couple times and still get more out of it, right? Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely watch it again. Yeah. I mean, there's other side characters that had lines and, you know, some significance that we didn't even talk about. Like, there's a lot of characters in this movie. The one thing that I would have wanted more was more like searching for the creature, like the discovery of the Iceman. They just, it's like literally like two oh, seconds yeah. of like a little thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool if they did like a more of a buildup of the discover the initial discovery. Mm-hmm. But. More explanation as to the source. Like they, we have Manchuria, that's it. Yeah. Maybe they could have even done a flashback. Like, you know, they've done like a 65 million years ago flashback to like something. Oh yeah. To start off the movie. But then I guess that's too much. That's giving away too much, right? Yeah. I mean, you just assume this thing crashed on a asteroid or something. Yeah. Well, the other question I have too then is if this thing came from space, why the heck would fire kill it? Hey, that doesn't make a lot. I don't of think I don't think a fiery train crash would kill this thing. Well, I guess you're left wondering if there was ever going to be a sequel to the Horror Express. Reboot. I feel like there Maybe. should be a remake. That would be cool. It would be that. super fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep there's, the general prestige of it, though, and yeah, keep keep it. I mean, you can almost turn it into a kind of a, a comedy horror, where a black it's like very very pomp, very pomp and very flashy, almost kind of like a combination sci-fi. of like I'm picturing like a Grand Budapest Hotel slash mm-hmm. The Void. Yeah, like a Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, Wes I mean, Anderson crossed with Wes Craven, or, <laughs> or Wes Craven. He didn't do the void. No, no, that wasn't he didn't the do the void. But uh, we have covered the void on Film Friday. If you guys haven't watched that, it's mm-hmm. a pretty awesome, insane movie. Mm-hmm. That's all I really have to say. I did really enjoy. I enjoyed it a lot. It, I think to me, it's kind of a cult. It's a cult classic in, in my eyes, which is great. Mm-hmm. And it always leaves me wondering. Same as the thing where it's like, I don't even know. What would you do if you ran into something like this, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're isolated in Siberia? You're screwed. We want to hear what you yeah. guys have to say, what you think. Mm-hmm. Hit us up on all of our socials at Into the Portal Podcast. I don't even know. I'm getting tired. Where else are we? <laughs> at Into the Portal One on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, straightupstrange.com is the network website. Go check us out there. Into the mm-hmm. if you haven't been to the regular website before. Lots of fun stuff coming down. And really, like, springs around the corner. So we've got a lot of cool ideas. Um, Andrew is kind of a. He likes his clothing and he's always wanted to design streetwear and like anything to do with like the paranormal. And this is kind of our first yeah. foray into that. So we're both really excited about it. Spring's going to be, be strange fun. people. Just Definitely. embrace it. Absolutely. Be it. Do it. Well, thank Love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening as always. And uh, until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bizarre.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.